Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse number 29. The Bible says, For whom he did foreknow, we talked about foreknowledge last week, And then it goes on to say, he also did predestinate. This word predestinate turns turns up twice in Romans 8. And it shows up in the form of predestinated in Ephesians chapter number 1. We're going to do our best to look at all of those verses this morning. And I want to point out before we get started, the word predestination is not in the Bible. Predestinate is, and predestinated is, but predestination is a philosophy that isn't really biblical. It's more a philosophy of fatalism. And so we need to get an understanding of what these words mean in the Bible. What is it referring to and who is it referring to? So that's where it is in Romans 8. Let's go to our Ephesians 1 chapter. I said, I think I said Ephesians 2. We'll be there for a little bit, but we're going to start in Ephesians 1. And we're going to read verses 3 through 6. Now, I want your eyes to glance these, these passages of Scripture. Because in, in verses 3 through 6, we've got five commas. We've got two colons that make up one complete thought. That ends in a period. It says in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father. Of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who hath blessed us. With all spiritual blessings. You see that? That's three times. Blessed. Blessed. Blessings. And then it says in heavenly places. In Christ. The context of this chapter is very clear to anyone who just honestly reads it. It's for believers. It says, blessed us. Who's that? Believers. Where are we located as believers? The Bible tells us. The last part of verse 3. In Christ. That's a present tense. Right now, if you're a believer, you are in Christ. You know what you have as a future? In, what does it say? Heavenly places. Are you in the heavenly place yet? Yes and no. If you're in Christ, where's Christ seated? In heavenly places. Where are you? In Christ. Spiritually. But you're not there yet. Physically. You're not absent from the body and present with the Lord yet. So there's some future application as well as a spiritual present application. Everybody see that? That's present tense for a believer. Now here comes the the next verse, four. Remember, there's not a period after three. This is one complete thought. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame with him in love. Before the foundation of the world, you know what God chose? All of those that would be in Christ, 
God chose before the foundation of the world that they would be holy and that they would be without blame. The choosing is in complete harmony. It's in accord with the blessings that God has promised for you and for me as a believer. Because before you got saved, you weren't holy. Before I got saved, I wasn't holy. You can look to your spouse or your kids or your neighbor or your friend or anybody that's sitting next to you, and they can all testify, yeah, and you're still not holy. You're still not without blame. Now, isn't that something? Because you and I not only have a present tense in Christ, we also have a future in Christ where there's going to be some perfect confirmation to the image of his son. But it ain't happening right now. It's happening, but it hasn't come to its fullest completion yet. But it will one day. It will. And that's a blessed promise that God has for those that he has chosen. If you're in him, you are chosen in him. And he has given before the foundation of the world, he has set aside, look, all those that are in me, they will receive these blessings. Mark it down without fail. You see how it says in verse four, it says, according as. This entire chapter is in reference to people who are saved. Look at verse number five. Here's the word, having predestinated us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. All of it is working in accord. You know what adoption is? It is a result of your salvation and my salvation. Look at verse six, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. You know what the blessing is? You were never accepted by God. You were his enemy. And neither was I. I was never accepted by God. I was at enmity with God. When you got saved, you know what he made you? Accepted in him. That's the only way you're going to find acceptance. No other way. Anything you bring to God or I bring to God will not be accepted by him. You've got to be found in Christ. And that's where these blessings lie. Okay. Now you've got verses 7 through 12. That's 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. That's six verses. It's one complete thought that ends in a period that has five commas, I think, three semicolons and three colons all grouped together to give one complete sentence and thought. Look at verse seven, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, all of the blessings. They're all in accord with the riches of his grace. Verse 8, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. 
You know where God's blessings extend? Toward us. You didn't have any toward us part before you got saved and before I got saved. But now we do. Look at the next verse. Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom. Verse 9. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will. Here's the word again. According to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. All of it is working in the believer's life. It's all working in accord with God's will and God's good pleasure. We're going to be made exactly like him one day. That's his will and good pleasure. Look at verse 10, that in the dispensation of fullness of times, you might gather together in one all things in Christ, which both are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Verse 11, in whom also we have obtained, and here's the word again, an inheritance being what? Predestinated. So our word predestinated, glance your eyes back at verse 5, having predestinated us. And now we're in verse 11. Here's the last time this word is used in Ephesians 1. Being predestinated according to something. The purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Okay. So how can you be predestinated? Verse 12 gives us the answer. We have to first do something. Verse 12. That we should be to the praise of his glory. Who first trusted in. In Christ. Have you trusted in Christ this morning? If you have, you are predestinated to receive the blessings that God has for his saints. And there isn't anything that will hinder that. That's what you are predestinated to. Not to heaven. To receive all of these blessings. And be made like Christ. In verse 13. In whom ye also trusted. After ye heard the word of truth. The gospel of your salvation. In whom also after that ye believed. Ye were sealed with that holy spirit of promise. If you want to be predestinated. First you have to trust. You can only trust after those two things. You've got to hear and believe. And then you trust, and then you can lay claim to the predestinated part. Make sense? Amen. Okay. A few more things in Ephesians 1. Look at verse 4. I'm going to read this to you how a Reformed theologian would read it. According as he hath chosen us, when we were in him before the foundation of the world. Because reformed theology believes you were in Christ before the foundation of the world. So that's how they read it. But that's not how it should be read. It says, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. He, that's God, 
hath chosen us, that's us, in him, that would be Christ. So how does all this work? Well, let's go to John 6 and see if we can get a little more understanding. John chapter 6, verse number 13. John 6, verse number 13. chapter long chapter oh boy chosen okay go to john chapter uh go to verse number 70 uh in uh, john chapter 6 verse number 70 um jesus chose how many disciples 12 he chose 12 disciples now, did he choose them to go to heaven in the context of his choosing? He didn't. He chose them to be something. He chose them to be his disciple. Now, watch happens. Watch what happens and watch what is said in John chapter 6, verse 70. Jesus answered them and he says, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a what? Devil. Now, if God chose those disciples to go to heaven, do you think a devil would go to heaven? I don't think so. Because the context of the choosing is, was to be a disciple. You've got, you've got predestination. When people say predestination to go to heaven, I beg to differ. It's not predestination to go to heaven. You know why? Lucifer's been to heaven. Well, I'm I, well. I'm predestinated before the foundation of the world to go to heaven. No, you're not. You might be predestinated. You might be predestined, but the lo but the location is not in the context. There's a conforming that's in the context. Do you know that everybody that is in hell right now? And everybody that would drop into hell tomorrow or next week or next month or next year. You know, everybody that's in hell is going to go to heaven. What do you mean by that, preacher? Where do you think the white throne judgment's going to take place? At the end of the millennial, when everybody is going to be that's lost is going to be judged before they're cast into the lake of fire. Where do you think that's going to happen? Now, they ain't staying too long. They're going to get judged, and then God's going to cast them into a lake of fire. Well, that's I understand that. I, I hear what you're saying, preacher, but, but aren't we going to heaven? Yeah. If, okay, let's say the rapture happens right now. You know where you're going to go? To be with the Lord. Where? In the air. And guess where he's going to take you? To heaven. Well, praise God, I'll be, I'll be in heaven. Yeah, for only seven years. Then you're leaving heaven. You're going to come back down to the earth and you're going to rule and reign with him for a thousand years. You're not going to be in heaven anymore. That's why it says in 1 Thessalonians to be with who? The Lord. You're going to go wherever the Lord goes. 
And if he takes you to heaven, you're going to go to heaven. And when he comes back down here and he's going to set up his millennial kingdom, you're going to come and rule and reign with him down here. And at the 1,000 years when that's over, he's going to recreate it. You say, where, where are we going to be as believers within all that? We're going to be with the Lord. As believers, it's about everywhere we go, we get to be with God. And we are predestinated to be conformed to his image. When we read it, chosen in him to be without blame, to be holy. That couldn't have happened before the foundation of the world. You've got to be in him to lay claim to that promise. Go to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. One more thought on that. I think it's here. Okay. You don't have to turn there. But I had this thought. All right. In Ezra chapter number seven. Okay. I think I've got it. When you hear people say sovereignty of God, sovereign grace, sovereign election, you know those terms don't show up anywhere in the Bible. You'll get sovereignty in the NIV 297 times. You won't get it in the King James Bible. And mostly every single time that word is changed in the NIV, it's they took God's name out. And they replaced it with sovereignty or sovereign. Now, I'm not going to argue the point that God isn't sovereign. But this idea we keep getting being inundated with Calvinism light, sovereignty of God, sovereign grace, sovereign election. It's not in the Bible. You know what is in the Bible? Free will. And it shows up in Ezra. You don't have to turn there. But in Ezra chapter 13, it says, I make a decree that all they of the people of Israel, of his priests and Levites in my realm, which are minded of their own free will to go up to Jerusalem. You've got Old Testament saints that God says, you know what they have? Free will to make a choice. Verse number 15, and to carry the silver and gold, which the king and his counselors have freely offered. Verse number 16, with the free will offering of the people. Now, I find that to be very interesting. That shows up in the Old Testament. You say, why do you find that to be interesting? Was anybody in the Old Testament in Christ? They couldn't have been. They couldn't. Now, by faith, they received, they trusted, they believed what God said. By faith, they ended up dying and being in paradise, Abraham's bosom. When Christ finally shed his blood, three days, three nights later, he rose again after he set captivity captive and he moved paradise. Now his blood shed, now they can 
have access to the throne of God. All that. Okay. But in the Old Testament, nobody could have been in Christ. But they had some free will. And in Ephesians chapter 2, and it says verse number 1. And you hath he quickened. Before Christ, in the Old Testament, how many of those saints were quickened? Zero. None of them received the new birth because none of them were in Christ. What does the rest of the verse say in Ephesians 2? Who were dead in trespasses and sins. How many of the Old Testament saints were dead in trespasses and sins? Every single one of them. Yet they had free will. We have the opportunity to open up a full canon of scripture. They didn't have that in the Old Testament. You have the opportunity to have all the counsel of God. They had what God had revealed to them and they put their faith in what God revealed to them. God, by his grace, saved them. But not to go to heaven. Because the destination for them wasn't heaven. None of them went to heaven until what? Verily, verily, I say unto you, except the seed, a, a, a corn of wheat, die and be buried, right? The seed, the corn of wheat, Jesus Christ didn't die and go into the ground and be buried yet and rise again. Until that happened, their destination was not heaven. It was paradise. It was paradise. It says, who were dead in trespasses and sin. You've got to get out of that. And then you've got to get in Christ. When you are in Christ, now you're going to be as according as Christ is. How many of you think that you're as Christ is? I'm putting my hand down. And on the car ride home, everybody can look at each other and say, you sure are not like Christ now. You're a nut. But you know what the blessed promise is? As much as you're struggling, as much as you're suffering, as much as you're trying to work out in your head, you can mark it down that there's going to be a day when you will be according to him. According as he is, you will be. That is predestined for every single person that is saved, no matter how far along your walk is. Now, in Isaiah 42, Jesus Christ is called, Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect. That's Jesus being referred to as the elect in Isaiah 42. In 1 Peter 2, he is referred to as chief cornerstone, elect, and precious. That's Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 12, he says, my servant whom I have chosen. That's all a reference to Jesus Christ. God chose Christ as the elect. Deep theology. Stay with me. Stay with me, please. 
how are you going to lay claim to being elect? You must be in the elect one. If you are in the elect one, you can lay claim to that promise. Now you're elect and you are brought into accord. Remember in Ephesians 1, according as, according as, according as. You get in God's elect, Jesus Christ, you are elect. And you will be made according as Christ is, you will be in accord with him. Go to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. First Corinthians 15, verse number 22. The Bible says, First Corinthians 15, 22, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Think with me for a minute. If you were in Christ before the foundation of the world, which you weren't, but if you were, what happened when Adam showed up? Did you get out of Christ and then you were put in Adam? And then when you trusted Christ, you got back out of Adam and got back in Christ again? You see how silly that sounds? It doesn't make any sense. It makes sense if Jesus Christ is the elect. If you trust in him, then you are in Christ who is the elect. That makes you elect. Because you will be according as he is. Now, when you are in Christ, do you have eternal life? Where does eternity span? Forward until you can't stop. Where else does it span? Backward till you can't stop. Guess where that puts you? Before the foundation of the world. How about that? How about that? You're in Christ. You're outside of time. It's eternity. It's eternal. When did you get in Christ? When he put you there. When did he put you there? When you received him. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that what? Believe on his. Matter of fact, go to John 1. Go to John 1. You can't read verse 13 without verse 12. I think we would agree with that. John chapter number 1, look at verse 13. Bible says, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of who? God. But you can't claim that because at the end of verse 12, there's a semicolon. You've got to put it all together as one complete sentence. God wills your new birth. I don't will it. Your flesh can't will it. Nobody can will it but God. God wills the new birth. When? When you receive him. You doing the receiving doesn't make you saved. But when you receive him, now God wills something. He wills that new birth. 
but as many as received him. You must receive Christ. Go to Romans 10. Romans 10. Watch, it says verse number 8. Romans 10, verse 8. But what saith it, the word is nigh thee even where? In thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Praise the Lord. It's nigh, it's near. That, if thou should confess with thy mouth, see it, it's near, but you've got to confess it, shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Ask the Calvinist when he got saved. He can't tell you. He has to say, I got saved in eternity past before the foundation of the world. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You had to receive him. You had something nigh to your heart, nigh to your mouth. And what did you do? You received him. by You, re, you repented from what you were trusting in. And you put your full faith and trust in Christ. You confessed him. You had to receive him. Then you were in Christ. And now you have some. You have some things you're predestinated to. That you can't even imagine. Imagine you being holy. Imagine me being holy. And as an accord to Christ. It's a magnificent glorious truth. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Uh, go back to Ephesians 1. I'm going to wrap up a few thoughts. And then we'll finish in Romans 8. Uh, but go to Ephesians 1. Thanks for staying. This is a heavy thought type sermon, I guess. Ephesians chapter uh, 1. I want to draw something else out in verse number 5. It says, having predestinated us. It doesn't say to be adopted. It says unto us. The adoption of children. Because if you're saved, you're predestined to receive the adoption. We all know how adoption works. The child has to be born first. Before he can be adopted. Okay. You know what has to happen? You and I have to be born again. We have to be born of God first. And then we can be adopted. You can't adopt someone who hasn't been born. And getting saved is an adoption. Those who are saved receive adoption. That's how it works. That's how it works. I want to open this thought up a little bit more. Go to Galatians 4. Galatians 4. Verse number 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. Look, you and I have been redeemed. We just haven't received all the heirship yet. But it's coming. Now watch, verse number uh, two. But it is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Now you know what else didn't happen in the Old Testament? There was no adoption. Isn't that something? You know what they had? They were under tutors. They were under governors. Verse 3. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. 
But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent for the son made of a woman made under the law. Watch this to redeem them that were under the law that we might what receive the adoption of sons. And because your sons, God hath sent forth. Watch it. The spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, right now. You have the spirit of his son in your heart. That's a present truth that you and I can claim as believers. Do we have the full adoption? No, we don't. Go to Romans 8. Go to Romans 8. I want you to look at this. We'll start to wind down. Look at verse 11, Romans 8, 11. You are a son, there's no doubt, but you have yet to receive your full inheritance, and neither have I. Look at Romans 8. Watch what it says in verse 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, we have God's Holy Spirit, Christ dwelleth in me, Galatians 2. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. We get that. His spirit dwells in us. Now, concerning the adoption, look at verse 15. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received not the adoption, the spirit of adoption. That's what you've got, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. What does that all mean? Look, you are predestinated to receive the full inheritance and the full adoption. Right now, currently, as a believer, you have the spirit of that adoption. And you know what you're doing? Verse 23. And not only they, Romans 8, 23, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves. Waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. You know what you're predestined to have? The glorious, the glorious blessing of a redeemed body. And you will have a completed adoption. We just don't have it yet. And because of that, God has foreordained. That it is predetermined that those in him will receive that. It's for believers. And it's a promise for those believers. It's not a reference to salvation. It's a reference to those who are already saved. In both Ephesians 1 and Romans 8. Let's go to Romans 8 and we'll finish there. Romans 8, 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also predestinated to get saved. No. Romans 8, you're already saved. It says, 
he also did predestinate to be, not to get, to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. You know, there's no condemnation to them which are in Christ. And now you've got some things that you're predestinated to be conformed to. Look at verse 30. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, then he also glorified and all of that is in accord with all the promises that God gave to you and the most glorious one I know it's hard to get but it's simple you will be conformed to the image of his son why not get a head start on that now live for him why are you wasting time why would I waste time living for people who don't care about me as much as Christ cares about me? Live for him. Get a head start on that conforming stuff. You think Hollywood is stupid? They're, they're highly intelligent. And they want to conform you to their image. You think all the pop music and all that kind of stuff they are highly intelligent they want you earbudded in so that they can conform you to think like they think dress how they dress talk like they talk accept the agendas that they accept it's all part of a marketing scheme to get you to conform to them you know what the church of the living god says no we're going to get a head start on getting conformed to christ I want to get plugged into good preaching. I want to get plugged into good friends. I want to get plugged into good witnessing. I want to get plugged into stuff where I'm going to have some encouragement to live for Christ so I can get out of the filth and the junk of this world. Get a head start on that stuff. You say, I don't want to. Well, if you're saved and you're truly saved, guess what? God's promise is going to come to pass. You, you are predestinated to be conformed and be made like him. A lot of people want to get saved. But they don't want to go to hell. I'm wondering if anybody gets saved. Because they're just excited about being like Christ. I want to go to heaven. But I don't want God to be there. I don't want his standards to be there. I don't want his holiness to be there. I want to get to heaven. And I want to have you know. Anything else that you want to have or I want to have doesn't even run a close second. We're going to be like, we're going to be like. You, you get on a plane. My, my, my son's into aviation. Once you get on that plane, it has, a, it has a fixed destination. It's going from this airport to that airport. But you ain't going unless you get in that plane. You get in that plane, now you're going to go to that destination. In Noah's day. What do you think? Noah was born in the ark before the foundation of the world? No, Noah had to step into that ark. And the destination of that ark took Noah and saved Noah. You know what you got to do? You got to get in Christ. 
And when you get in Christ, you've got a new destination. And once you're in Christ, you're getting there. You're going where he's going. You're being conformed and you will be according as he is, you will be. You have a fixed destination in Christ. And Romans 8 is giving saved people, giving saved people their determined end because of Christ. And for the first time in your life, you will be like him. Bible says, how can you escape the damnation of hell? Well, I can tell you. God's got a reservation for you in heaven. It's waiting. It's prepared. Are you going to trust him? Are you going to believe and receive? If you do, then who first trusted? Guess what? You're predestinated to be conformed to him at his image. And you have all the blessings he has promised you. You can mark it down. Both cases, folks, it's a reference to saved people. Not, not fixed determinism based on who God chose to go to heaven, who God chose to go to hell. Rather, God chose all those that are in him. It's fixed that they will be made like Christ. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.